Um, well, good afternoon. My name's Johnny. Um, I'm another one of the elders here at the Globe Church, and it's, it's my joy to open up um, the Sermon of the Mount with us all this afternoon. But as we get started, it is also time to say, um, not goodbye, not in a big sense, but it's time to let the minis and the tinies make their way out to their groups. Um, so while the children head out up the stairs, um, if you could get your Bibles open um, to Matthew chapter 6. Um, get your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 6, and I will pray for the, the children as they set out. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the children um, in our church family. Lord, we pray for them now as they go out into their groups. Lord, we pray that they see something of their good, good father um, who loves them and made them. Um, Lord, we pray that they would grow up to love him for themselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, a couple of weeks ago, if you were here with us, um, John T. compared the Sermon of the Mount to not like the Chelsea Flower Show. Right? It was this sort of weird anti-comparison. And, and the idea was that if you go to the Chelsea Flower Show, it basically makes no difference to your life. Right? You go... You look at some flowers, you feel happy, and you leave. But when we hear the words of Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus demands total transformation in our lives. So if, like me, you have no interest in going to the Chelsea Flower Show, you'll be thrilled that in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to listen to Jesus' words, and we're going to be challenged today. These are challenging, challenging words that demand a revolution in the way we think about ourselves and the world around us. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Do follow me in your Bibles or on your phones or wherever you've got it. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Oh, these are challenging words. I'm going to pray um, for our hearts as we get into them. Oh, Heavenly Father, uh, we pray that as we listen to these words, as we hear what you have to say about giving to the needy, Lord, we pray that you would transform us. Um, we pray that we would see that you are the one that has given us everything. Um, and we pray that that would make us open with all that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we all love to be seen, don't we? We love to be seen. When I was about eight or nine, I think I was in year three at school, my um, school class was invited to be on the audience of a show called Get Your Own Back. Does anyone remember Get Your Own Back? Yeah, you see the 90s kids in the room. 
Right, Get Your Own Back was a weird TV show. Basically, a bunch of kids invited some adults who had been like mean to them, told them to do extra homework or whatever. And then I can't remember the name of the presenter, but he cranked them up this big seat. And then if they lost, the adult got dunked into the gunge. And it was amazing. It was exciting. Anyway, I got to be in the audience of that show. And I was so excited to be seen on TV. I can't tell you. Right? So I went. I made sure that my like, 90s, 90s curtains were nice and tidy. I had my best T-shirt on. And there were several times during the filming when the camera panned right in front of me. And at that moment, I was like, yeah, waiting for the moment when I would be seen. And then the big day came. My premiere came. I was sitting there in front of BBC. And there were a couple of audience shots. I, was, I wasn't too worried. A couple of audience shots. Didn't see myself, but that's okay. Um, and then we got to sort of halfway through, and the challenges were going, and the kids were cheering, and I hadn't seen myself yet. And then with about five minutes to go, it was panning along the row that I was in. And I saw my friend, the person that was sitting a couple of seats down from me. And then it zoomed in on the person next to me, my best mate, Tom Whitehead. If you're listening, Tom, you'll remember this. It zoomed in on his face. I could see the shoulder of my T-shirt. And then it cut away. I was devastated. And I was never to be seen on TV. We love to be seen, and I had this moment, this, I know it's stupid, but I had this chance to be in the spotlight, and it was taken away from me, and I, I was gutted. Because we love to be seen. And, and we don't just love to be seen on a poster or on TV, we love to be seen in the best possible light by the people around us, don't we? We want people to think well of us. That might mean that we really cultivate our social media profiles to present ourselves in the best possible light. It might mean that we make little comments here and there just to sound a little bit more interesting than we actually are, to slightly inflate that experience that I had the other day, just to be a bit more interesting. At our worst, it might mean that we cut down others to make ourselves look better. And then this weird, twisted thing happens, doesn't it? where we do good things, which are genuinely good things for other people in the world, but we do them in a way so that people look at us. And we get the pat on the back. We do it all the time, don't we? Jesus has got a warning for us today. Hear that verse in verse 1. Be careful. There they are, the big flashing warning lights. Be careful. Not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Be careful not to make yourself look good when you're doing good things that God asks you to do. Be careful. Now, if you've been around throughout this Sermon of the Mount, some of you might be at this point thinking, hang on a second, what's changed here? What's changed here? Now you're telling us that we've got to be careful not to be seen. But if we flick back over the page and we remember back to... Mike's sermon in in chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. Do you remember that Jesus was telling us to be seen? Do you remember? Flick over the page. um, Chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Then this is it. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds. Okay, so in chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus is saying, 
Let, the light, let your light shine. Let people see your good deeds. And here he's saying, be careful. Don't, let, don't do good deeds so people can see you. What's going on here? Has Jesus changed his mind? Has the Sermon of the Mount taken a radical U-turn and changed direction? No, the key here is that when we, Jesus is talking about good deeds, he's talking about two very different ways that they play out. Jesus says that good deeds are like a spotlight. Good deeds point in the direction of somebody. And in Matthew chapter 5, he says, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. Do your good deeds so that our Father in heaven is glorified. And here he's saying in chapter 6, Be careful not to do your good deeds in front of others in order to be seen. So he has two different commands for two very different temptations in our life. Right? Sometimes, when I've got an opportunity to do a good thing that might point, point to Jesus, my cowardice or my timidity or my shame of the gospel means that I'm tempted not to do it. And to those temptations in my life, Jesus says, be seen, be light, get out there. To our cowardice, he says, be seen. And then sometimes when I'm doing good things, people say, oh, Johnny, you're great. Look at you, you're good. And I'm, my chest puffs up and I'm like, yeah, I'm great, I'm great. And to my pride and my vanity, Jesus says, be careful. Do you see, he says, be seen when we're tempted to hide away. And he says, be careful when we're tempted to be seen. Be careful. This is a warning. And it's a warning with consequences. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others in order to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. This is a warning. Now, we're used to seeing warnings all over the place, right? The warnings say, don't do a certain thing because there is a consequence. We've all seen smoking packets. Smoking packets have big warnings on them. Smoking kills. Pictures of different illnesses and horrible things that smoking can cause. And the warning is that if you choose to do this, it's going to lead you down a path that is going to be dangerous. Now, it's a warning, but it's not a, a law, right? So when I see that thing on a smoking packet, I'm not saying, well, if I do this, immediately that thing is going to happen. But it is saying, if I choose to do this, it will set me on a path that may well have com consequences. And here Jesus is saying, if you choose to live your life in a way where your good deeds elevate yourself and you do them to impress other people, that is a choice that may well have con consequences. Because Jesus knows that the vanity... And obsession with other people's opinion that we can have is deceptive and it is addictive and it is destructive. We love people's opinion of ourselves so much that one day if we choose to live in the light of other people's opinion, we will walk in that path and one day we will say no to the kingdom of heaven. We will say no to Jesus and we will be in a place where we will not have a reward from our Father in heaven. If you want to understand what that reward is, there's lots of um, 
conversation, debate about this in different um, commentaries and things like that. But the best place that you can see this is at the start of the Sermon of the Mount, at the start of um, Matthew chapter 5. The reward is set out in the Beatitudes, the vision that Jesus casts for the kingdom of heaven. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And we keep looking at the second half of those things. They will inherit the earth. They will thirst for righteousness. They will be shown mercy. They will see God. That's the reward. The reward is to live in a world alongside our God where we inherit the kingdom of heaven, where we know the mercy of our Father and we see God. That's the reward. And do you hear the strength of the warning? We've got to guard our hearts. We've got to be careful. Because if we live in a way which puts our good deeds and says, look at me, we're going to choose to live on a path where we push Jesus to one side and we will not receive that reward. It's a warning, but it's not a law. It's not a law. There is hope, and we'll come on to the hope, but it is a warning. So we have to guard our hearts. So the first sort of practical application that we get from this is we've got to guard our hearts. We've got to protect ourselves. When we see those warning signs, when we see ourselves being excited, hearing the praise that people lavish upon us, we have to protect ourselves from that, and we can't minimize it. It's a serious warning. Be careful, Jesus says. Be careful. He then uses, throughout the rest of this section, in the rest of chapter 6, he uses three examples of how this plays out. First of all, he talks about giving. Then he talks about praying. Then he talks about fasting. And we're going to spend the rest of this time um, thinking about what that looks like in terms of giving. I'm just going to have a drink because my voice is cracking. Warning. Look with me at verse 2. When you give to the needy. So when you give to the needy. I'm just going to stop there. It's a bit jarring, isn't it? When you give to the needy. I think if, if I was writing this or if I... If I was reading this in a way that's comfortable to me, I want that word when to be a different word. I want it to be the word if, right? Let's just, let's just read that again. So, so if you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do. That's fine. I can take that because if I give, I can choose to give, I can do whatever and I can, I can take and leave that. But Jesus says, no, this is a question of when and not if. It's a question of when and not if. Because some things are inevitable in life, right? Some things are a question of when and not if. When the sun rises in the morning. When it rains in October. Maybe you're a parent of a young child. When your child wakes you up in the middle of the night. If you're a student, it might be when you finally clean your kitchen. There are some things that are a question of when and not if. And Jesus says today that giving to the needy is a question of when and not if. And this is jarring for us because we live in, a, in an if-you-give sort of world, right? The kingdom of the world is, a, is an if-you-give sort of world. And to set this out, we need to understand the difference between what Jesus is setting out here. So Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is totally different from the kingdom of this earth. And in the kingdom of this earth, 
Jesus says, or the world says, that it is an if-you-give kind of place. And in an if-you-give kind of place, there are those that have and those that need. Right? And the people that have, they have earned what they've got. Right? So if you've got a job, it might earn you money. Or if you've got health, it might be because you've really followed good wellness techniques. Or if you've got time, it's because you manage your time really well. Or whatever you've got, it's because you've earned it. And then there are people over there who need it. Okay? And then if for someone to give what they have earned to those that give, it, it costs them. And it's expensive. And the question is, are you going to give? And is it worth it to me? And so I have all my stuff and I think, oh, well, is it worth it? And, and if we live in this sort of if you give kind of kingdom, we have things like children in need on Friday night. Has anyone watched Children in Need last Friday night? Just gone? Wow, literally no one. Oh, that's amazing, right? So Children in Need, I didn't watch it either, but I looked some stuff up. Um, so Children in Need is a BBC event where they raise loads of money for, for children in need. And they raised £33 million this year, right? So that is a, that is a good thing. Don't, don't hear this wrong, okay? It's a good thing that that much was raised. But Children in Need is a product of an if-you-give kind of world. Because the fact that there are children in need is not enough for people to give. Okay, we have to be convinced that it's worth it. So we get all these emotional VTs that show us exactly what the need is. And we see the people who are really suffering and we see exactly where our money is going to go. So we know that if we give us money, it's going to be really worth it to that person. And if that's not enough, then we see Vernon Kay, the Radio 2 DJ, running four consecutive ultramarathons in four days because he's proving to us that it's worth it that we give our money. And if that's not enough, we get a one-off episode of Doctor Who where Chris Tarrant comes back. And if that's not enough, there's some special performance of some song. And all this stuff happens to convince us that the stuff that we have is worth giving to the people who need it. Because we live in an if-you-give kind of world. And the questions that we ask are, are you going to give and is it worth it? But Jesus flips that on its head with this one small four-letter word, when. He says that the kingdom of heaven is not an if-you-give kind of place, it's a when-you-give kind of place. And instead of seeing two groups of people, those that have and those that need, in a when-you-give kind of world, Jesus says everybody has received. Everybody has received all that they've got from God. And the questions, instead of, move, instead of saying, are you going to give and is it worth it? The questions that Jesus asks us is, what have you received? And who might need it? We move from, are you going to give and is it worth it? To what have you received? And who might need it? There's a new pattern. This is the pattern that has always been God's pattern when it comes to giving and generosity. I'm going to read um, a couple of verses from Deuteronomy chapter 15. Um, if you'd like to turn to it, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 4. As we read these verses, listen to the pattern that God sets out when he talks about giving. Listen to the pattern in these verses. Reading from verse 4. However, there need be no poor people among you. For in the land your Lord God is giving you to possess in your inheritance, he will richly bless you, if only you fully obey the Lord and are careful to follow these commands I'm giving you today. 
For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving to you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Do you see the pattern? The Lord God has given you this land. The Lord God has blessed you with everything you need. The Lord God has given you absolutely everything. So be open-handed, open-hearted. Don't be tight-fisted. The questions that God is putting to the Israelites in that place are not, are you going to give and is it worth it? He's saying, what have you received and who might need it? And that is the kingdom of heaven. That's the pattern of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus uses very similar language in Matthew chapter 10 when he sends out his disciples. He sends out his disciples to the, na- to the local towns and villages. And he says to them, freely you've received, so now freely you give. Do you see this pattern? You've received and so you give. And so the questions we ask ourselves is, what have we received and who might need it? What have we received and who might need it? So let's ask ourselves that question. What have we received? What have you been given by God? Here are a few things. God is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. He has given us life and creation. So when you look out and you see a beautiful sunset or you see a mountain or a river or a tree or a sunrise or a bird or an animal, whatever you love, God has given that to you to enjoy. God is the provider of our daily bread. So the food that we eat and the clothes that we wear, the cars that we drive and the homes that we live in are given to us by our God, our Heavenly Father. He gives us all that we have. He gives us all that we need. And here's the thing. If you're not a Christian here in the room today, if you don't know Jesus, here's the thing I want you to hear. Because he gives us all this stuff and also he gives us new life. Because what has happened is over time and in our hearts, we take all that stuff God has given us. He's given us all this good stuff. And we've said time and time again, yes, Lord, I want that stuff. I want that stuff. I want that stuff. But I don't want you. And we keep saying to God, I want your stuff, but I don't want you. And so what God has done is he says, okay, fine. If you don't want me, don't have me. If you don't want me, don't have me. And there's this big dividing wall. There's this separation between us and God because we want all the stuff he gives us, but we don't want him. And God says that's fine. And so we are desperately in need, all of us. We say no to God and then we're desperately in need of someone or something to break down that wall so once again we can be right with God again. And here's the thing. God gives us his son so that we might have life in him for eternity. What have we received? We have received life in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ came to earth and he lived a perfect life. He lived And then he gave his life. He died on a cross. So that that dividing wall that is formed because we've taken from God and rejected him, that dividing wall is gone so that we know God for eternity. So what have we received? We've received everything. 
We've received all of creation. We've received everything we need every day. We've received new life. We've received eternity with God. So the question, are you going to give? Of course we're going to give. Of course we're going to give because God has given us everything we need. It moves from a question of if to a question of when we give to the needy. When you give to the needy. And so yes, when Jesus dives into this in 6 verse 2, getting back into the passage, when he says, when you give to the needy, it feels jarring at first. But when we see what Jesus has done and what Jesus has given us, of course we give to the needy. Because the question is, what have we received? And who might need that? So Jesus doesn't use many words in this passage to speak specifically about what it is that we might give. But here are a few examples. He might have given us money, right? He might have given us money. Many of us in this room might have money that God has given us, that we've received. So who might need that? Because probably there's someone that needs it more than you. He might have given you time. He might have given you space in your diary to help someone out, moving house, to help someone out with some task that they need doing. Someone might need, need that time more than you. He might have given you skills. Can you fix bikes? I need someone to fix my bike. Come and see me afterwards. <laughs> he might have given you empathy. You can listen to people. He might have given you the ability to really understand how to navigate a system. And there might be someone who needs that, who's moved to London, who doesn't know how to get access to a GP. There are all sorts of things that God might have given you, material and skills and character traits that other people around you will need. And so the question isn't if you're going to give and what is it, is it worth. The question is what have we received and who might need that? And I think it's really important that we that when we're thinking about this in the big picture and we're thinking about what Jesus has done, um, and I say this carefully, we don't, it's important that we don't over-spiritualize this. And, and I, I say this tentatively. But here's how I think this can work, okay? My greatest need, my greatest need is Jesus. Okay, my greatest need is Jesus. That is absolutely true. And I have received Jesus. And so what I need to do is give Jesus to the world. All of that is totally true. I need to give the gospel to the world. But we cannot let our evangelism make us hard-hearted and open-fisted to the material needs of our city. Because there are people in this city who need stuff. right? There are people in this city who go day by day and they can't get through the day. And we have stuff we can give to them. And there is a problem in the church where we think that our evangelism is enough. Our evangelism is so important. This city needs to hear about Jesus. Don't hear me wrong. It's so important. But we cannot let it make us hard-hearted and tight-fisted to the material needs of people around us. I see it in my heart every day. I walk past people on the street who need things that I could give them. And I tell myself I can't do anything to help them. Of course I can. What have we received? And who might need it? So when we give to the needy. Jesus says that. And when he says that, he means it. But that comes with a warning. We have to be careful, right? We saw the warning at first. 
Be careful when we give to the needy. And there are three things that Jesus says we need to be careful to do. Right? So when we give to the needy, back in verse 2, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by them. Don't show off to other people. Don't boast about it. When we give to the needy, it's not for other people to see. I don't know if you're in the business of, of having a fanfare go before you as you give to charity or you give to people in the streets. And probably the Pharisees that Jesus is talking about weren't actually blowing trumpets. They might have been. But the point Jesus is making is everybody knew about it. Right? These guys who were really important, really like big dog religious leaders, everybody knew how generous they were. And Jesus is saying, don't be like that. Don't show off about your giving. I don't think the fanfare is a temptation for most of us, but the humble brag is a temptation, right? right? I like to look both generous and humble. That's a really good place to be. And I like to make the little sly comment that means that you know just how generous and humble I am. Don't do that. It's not for other people. And Jesus says, if you do that, if you do do it to be honoured by others, in the second half of chapter 2, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Jesus says, if you try to be impressive in the way you give, people will probably be really, really impressed with you. They probably will. That's great. Like, they will probably think you are exceptional. But that's all you're going to get. That's all that's going to happen. They have received their reward in full. The kingdom of heaven is at stake. The opportunity to live for eternity with the God who created you and loves you. And all they're going to get is a pat on the back and a look how great they are from the person in the street. That's all they're going to get. That is their total reward. So we don't do it for other people. Carry on in verse 3. But when you give to the needy, it's there again. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. This is a bit weird, isn't it? Okay? Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, I don't know if you've ever played that game where, you know, when someone has their hands behind their back and someone, like, puts their arms through their thing and tries to eat a bowl of cereal it threw the person into the person's face. Do you know that? <laughs> Okay, some knowing looks. Some people think I'm really strange. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Good big nod. So <laughs> that's an illustration of when the face doesn't know what the hands are doing. But the point is that Jesus makes here, when you give, so the right hand is the active hand, right? Presumably giving money or food or whatever to people who need it. The left hand is unaware of that. And what Jesus is saying in a manner of speaking is we should be not self-conscious of what we're giving to people. And as I've been thinking about this and reading about this this week, I've been so struck by how deeply and intimately Jesus knows my heart. Because I fight the temptation to be impressive to other people and the self-justification rises in my stomach. Yeah, okay, I might not boast about it, but I think I'm great. I justify myself. And Jesus is saying, no, you, you don't do it for yourself. You don't even do it to justify yourself. I think the ways that this plays out are, I 
give by standing order at the start of the month, and that means that in my head I think, okay, that's done for the month. And it means that I can walk past people in the street and not even bat an eyelid when they need help. And I think, oh, I've done my bit. I'm, I'm conscious of my giving. I've done my bit. I, don't, they don't need, I can't do anything for them. Or, or it bubbles up in my pride. And, and I look around a room and I think, okay, I've probably given more than that person. Or I've probably given like, relative to what I earn. Like, I'm all right. Or even judgmentalism, right? I even think, oh, maybe they should be giving a bit more. Jesus says it's not about you. It's not about your self-justification. It's not for others. It's not about justifying it for yourself. You shouldn't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verse 4, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So it's not for ourselves. It's not for, our, it's not for others. It's not for ourselves. But it's for our father who sees us. It's for our Father who sees us. We all love to be seen, don't we? That's where we started. We love to be seen by the world around us. And what Jesus says is you have a Father in heaven who sees you. He sees what is done in secret and he sees your heart. And he knows you and he loves you. And so when you give, you don't give for the world around you. You don't give to justify yourself. You give because you have a Father who sees you and loves you. And you know, we know that because of what Jesus has done, we have security in the fact that he will reward us. Just as the first bit was a warning, not a command, this is a promise and not a reward, not a direct result. We know that the Father who sees what's done in secret, we know that he will reward us. We've got that promise, that has been secured. And therefore, when we give, we don't do it for others. We don't do it for ourselves, but we do it for him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that we so often look past the need of the people in this city. Um, we confess that we think that we are self-justified or we think that what we do is enough to earn favour with you or ourselves or the world around us. Um, and we don't, we don't give generously. We don't give as Jesus has given to us. And Lord, we're sorry for that. Um, so Lord, we ask that um, as we hear the words of Jesus today, that you would transform us and turn us into a church who looks at what we've received from Jesus Christ. We rejoice in what you have given us and then we look into the world um, and pass it on to who might need it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.